Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Thanks for your company on another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today we celebrate the life of a man who was able to stand on the victory dais at the MCG on grand final day on a couple of occasions in his 286 games in the red and white. Ryan O'Keefe is my special guest. Ryan, good to see you. Yes, thanks for having me. How's life in Adelaide? Yeah, very good. Been here for three seasons now, so we're obviously working at the Adelaide Crows. Um, enjoying it. Very, uh, very different pace to uh, the big smoke of Sydney, but uh, enjoying it. Probably just a little bit easier to get around in the traffic in this city, I would think. Yeah, very much so. Wider roads, not much traffic at all. Um, yeah, very easy to get around. Was it a bit of a culture shock coming from a place like Sydney, which is such a you know a huge international city and can be difficult to get around, and we all know about the vagaries of the Sydney traffic and everything. Was it a culture shock when you first came here? Um, I just felt like I was on a bit of a holiday, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> you come back. I think coming from a hectic, busy to a much more laid-back, quiet life, so I think it's quite refreshing and easy. I think if I went the other way, mm. I think that's probably the, the culture shock. So, um, yeah, just probably a few things here that t- take a bit longer to get things done, but that's not too bad. What's the thing that, uh, about Adelaide that you miss most from Sydney? Is is there something that um, you it was part of your lifestyle in Sydney and now you do find it just a, a bit tougher in Adelaide? Um, yeah, the beaches. Yeah. So, I, I, we lived... Um, me and my family, we lived um, by the beach up in Sydney. Sydney beaches are pretty special. There are, uh, yeah, there's all different coves and rock outlets and everything. They're, yeah, they're very good beaches. Um, the beaches here, unfortunately, don't quite uh, probably match the standard of the Sydney beaches. So Glenelg's no Bondi, is that what you're saying? Yeah, probably that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got other things going for it, and one of the things that it's got going for it is its passion for football. And that was probably another thing that you noticed. Even though the Swans have made such a big footprint in Sydney, it's still a rugby league town in lots of ways. But you come here, and it's AFL, and then AFL, and then AFL, and then perhaps SANFL. Exactly, yeah. The passion here is uh, yeah, at another level. Um, yeah, Sydney's a very cosmopolitan sort of city. It's um, it's actually not that much rugby league, to be honest, because um, the fact that uh, it's just in the newspaper a lot, yeah. obviously, because they've probably got a, their major shareholder. But it's such a diverse city up there, and everyone, if if it's nice weather, people go to the beach. Mm. They won't worry about going to the footy or any sporting events. So, and they do like a winner up there. But here, it's the passion and... Not just for the two AFL sides, I even noticed in the SNFL, the, the passion they got for their, their club, which is uh, which is fantastic. What's it like being in charge of your, your own team here, being in charge of the Adelaide Crows in the SANFL? Yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's something that, I suppose if you've got aspiration of uh, climbing up the coaching ladder, I think it's really important to coach your own side in terms of just learning and developing yourself as a, as a person. You, I think you learn a lot when, when the buck stops with you. Um, uh, all the other decisions and, and what you find is 
there's a whole lot of range of other things to coaching and coaching your own side. It's not just the hands-on or the technical stuff of kicks, marks, and the tactics. It's actually the management of people, managing of staff. You've got you know, coaches working under you, all the staff that help out, the volunteers, um, dealing with the whole list of players, um, and in my case, dealing with some of our top-up players from other clubs and their coaches. So it's a whole spectrum of stuff that you sort of um, – you learn and you learn on the job. So I think it's it's been great and I've really enjoyed it. Chad Corns is a guest on this program and he's in a similar position to you coaching the Port Adelaide team in the SANFL and we spoke about the same thing. You almost have to be an amateur psychologist as well as moving the magnets around the board and trying to get blokes in the right position to kick goals or defend goals because that is such a big part, as you said, of the job. Oh, it is. It's um, it's all about player management and player mm. welfare, really. Um you're dealing with, yeah, on your, in your list, how many 30 or 40 uh, different personalities, um, a whole range of emotions, different motivations for different players. Um, so you just got to try and build that relationship and build that trust that player so you can sort of tap in and, and find what makes them tick. Uh, that That's probably the, the, the biggest thing. How, it's how do you get the best out of your players each week? So, you know, when they turn up on the weekend to play and they pull the boots on, it's... Are they, are they all there? Are they going to put their best performance? Um, if they start dipping, try and find out, you know, why? Is it something outside of footy? Is it something at home? Uh, they've broken up with their girlfriend. Mm-hmm. A whole range of sort of things. And, and sometimes you just go, let's just go for a coffee and have a chat and just talk about life. And sometimes you almost see the pressure or the relief just go dissipate from them straight away. And then, um, then when you see them start playing well, it actually makes you feel good. You go, hang on, I've, I've, helped, that. I've helped that young player. How much are you drawing on stuff that you experienced from Rusey and from Horse in their time as the coaches at Sydney and what you're doing now? Oh, you draw from all your life's experiences. Um, I had some fantastic mentors, fantastic coaches to, to work under and learn from. So I think I was very lucky and privileged to be able to you know, spend most of my career under those two guys who were fantastic. But it, it, a whole range of life experiences. And as I said before, like you're not just also talking about footy, you're talking about life things. You know, if they're having you know, trouble at home or this or this, whatever the issue is, Generally, when you've been around for a little while, you sort of you've might have experienced or know someone who has, and be able to, and you can point them in the right direction if you can't help with themselves. So, I think your life journey, and I think the more you can broaden your whole life experience, I think it gives you um, a much better handle and a much better sort of experience to be able to pass on to your to your players. I was in the commentary box with Robert Walls the other day, and we were talking about the fact that when he was in charge at Carlton, there was a certain band of players that you were always expecting that you were going to get a late-night phone call, and you just had to work out who it was going to be. Have you had one of those phone calls yet? Uh, I have, but it wasn't for a bad reason. It was actually just because someone pulled up sick, and they needed to send a play up to the AFL, so okay. I had to go find another player. Pretty <laughs> smart. So that's the only late-night phone call I had. I remember I was, I was sitting on the couch. I was actually about, I, I go to bed pretty early. I'm an um, early riser. And I uh, got a, a phone call from uh, Brett Burton, our head of footy. And I, I said, why is he calling me this time? Like, <laughs> and yeah, hi, Brett. What's what's going on? And there he goes, oh, one of the players is uh, sick. This is for the, the Darwin game, actually. Mm. Oh, one of the players is sick, so I've got to take one of your players. He's flying up in the morning. I went... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. all right. then Thank was, goodness was, for that. Yeah, and then I was searching on my phone trying to, to go ring one of my top-up players. Or, yeah, but it'll play tomorrow for us and tell your coach, sorry, you're not playing tomorrow, and that sort of thing. So, um, But no, I think I think they're pretty professional. They they understand um, what, what it's like 
the, the, the culture of football has ch- changed from especially when I first started to now the young kids understand that it's a pretty good opportunity they don't want to waste it um, and yeah that, those those sort of shenanigans you know touch wood uh, don't happen too often again drawing a parallel with what Chad Corns is doing at the moment because you are coaching in the same competition he said he's not a footy head at all you know he doesn't sort of sit down and be consumed by footy all the time are you like that do you like your time away from footy or do you just devour everything you can about the game oh de- definitely need your time away you can overload and get you know paralysis by too much analysis all that sort of stuff um, yeah I, I like to keep keep my things separate sometimes um, when I'm in footy I'm in footy um, but then I'm, I can quite easily just put that to one side and family time or you know a bit of my own time just to just for your own sanity really mm. um, I think you need different different excitements and enjoys in life just rather than just your work let's wind the clock back before you were a coach before you were a player at the top level Ryan O'Keefe the kid where did you grow up uh, I grew up in Melbourne um Mooney Ponds, was it? Mooney Ponds, yeah. I uh, went to St. Kevin's College. Yeah. Um, Famous football school. Yeah. So I was at school with the Scott brothers. Yeah. Uh, they were a bit older than me. Um, and we had a, we've had a few come come out of there now. Um, but loved it. Great school. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and then played footy in the, with the Calder Cannons in the under-18s when I wasn't playing school footy because, obviously, um, very important. I had to, had to play school footy and school sport first before mm. anything else. Um, but, other, yeah, I enjoyed played every sport and did everything. I was very active, never sort of sat in front of the TV or anything like that. Did all sorts of sports, cricket, athletics, whole range of things. Were you any good at things apart from footy? Yeah, I played first cricket. I was pretty good at athletics. Um, what was your event in athletics? Oh, I just did a bit of everything. Yeah. I basically I used athletics as uh, training for, for for footy, and I thought, oh, this is a good idea. Improve my running, and uh, I was a pretty good middle distance runner. So, um, but then I tried out, did everything. So it's sort of, uh, oh, there's an event there. I'll go and do it. So, um, yeah, it was it was good. When you were at the Calder Cannons, I think at your home in Mooney Ponds, I think a, a young talent called Ezra Bray actually lived at your place. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, so it was my last year and um, Ezra is up from Darwin and they were trying part of, as part of the AIS and um, Academy and that sort of thing back then was going to come to the Cannons and they will sort of where could he board or something like that and I said, oh, he can come start with us. That's all right. I'll, um, we can take him on board and yeah, we did. And, um, that was 12 months he came and lived with us and that was... Um, very good insight in, in terms of the indigenous culture and mm. how to deal with things, um, the different challenges that I suppose they face in terms of expectation from their families and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, that that was really good to be to sort of be included into their culture and, and, and his family um, and, and learn a whole range of things and hopefully learn a whole range of things from us. And yeah, he got drafted to Geelong and I got drafted to Sydney. So it was. A, Bit of a successful household that that 12 months. Is the story true, Ryan, that he actually went, I think he went back to Darwin on the day of the draft because the story goes that he couldn't stand to be there if you didn't get drafted. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I was, I'm a pretty determined and focused sort of person, so I think, um, yeah, I suppose I, th- I think he sort of wanted to make sure that if it didn't happen, it was uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be awkward, but... 
uh, I had confidence that I'd, I'd get going. <laughs> so he goes to Geelong, and a uh, boy from Mooney Ponds is going to the big Harbour City. What did you think when your name was called out with Sydney? Oh, I didn't care where I went. I just wanted I just wanted to play AFL. So I was like, yeah, oh, awesome, I'm in. Uh, I think I packed up my bags. I think I left the next day. So I was like, all right, Mum, Dad, I'll, I'll, I'll chat to you when I get there. And, um, <laughs> um, didn't look back. I felt just... Moved up there, and I was lucky I had Jude Bolton up there. So I played uh, with the Cannons with Jude. So he was up there a year before for me. So I had someone I knew straight away, um, and the boys up there were fantastic. I first year lived with uh, Leo Barry um, and his partner. And give him his correct name, Leo Barry, you star. Yeah, Leo Barry. No, I don't want to give him a big enough head. He keeps living off that. Everyone has to buy him drinks. Quarters is filthy about it too because he gets no royalties from that court. Uh, yeah. Um, and Benny Matthews. So I moved in with those guys up there, and um, that was great. That was, I was pretty lucky to, with those two guys. They were really good, set me in the right way, and um, yeah, enjoyed every 15 years since. Who was the bloke you were most in awe of when you first walked into the dressing room and you sat there with all those Swans players? Uh, Paul Kelly was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was an absolute fantastic guy. Just knock about, down to earth, absolute legend. Um Wayne Schwartz, he was he was good, and I've uh, might have watched him in his North days. Um, yeah, there's a few uh, few characters up there: Troy Luff and Darren Creswell and Andrew Dunkley, Greg mm-hmm. Stafford. Um, there's a whole range of guys: Michael O'Loughlin. Yeah. So um, the fortunate thing too, I got to play with uh, Plugger when he made his comeback. So I was going to ask you whether yeah, you played with him. Yeah, mate. I'm, I, he retired the year that year I got up there so end of 99 he retired and I came in that 99 draft but then when he made his comeback um, I played in that game when he's down at Port Melbourne oh yes because our, our alliance with Port Melbourne yeah. is our reserve so I played in that and I think that was probably the biggest crowd in a VFL game of all time <laughs> so that was uh, that was pretty good and then when he made his uh, debut against Collingwood at uh, Etihad hmm. played in that one too so to play a plugger that's that's, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, and so you should be because when they look at the history of the game in years to come, obviously he's done something that no one's done in terms of goal kicking, but he is just, he's almost beyond mm. immortal in the game, isn't yeah. he? And it's great to see that he's gone back to the club now. Yeah. Um, he, There's only half of him's gone back there, oh, though. I know. You can't What's rec- he done? Oh, I can't even recognise him at the moment. So um, I think he did the City to Surf last weekend as did well. Did he really? Yeah, so... Probably more than he ran his whole career. Imagine if someone had to come to you about 10 years ago and said, oh, Plugger's going to run into the city to surf. You'd say, oh, where are the men in the white coats? What's going on here? I know, I know. Um, my whole career at Sydney, he, he, once he retired that second time, he pretty much didn't, didn't come back. And um, I think my last year turned up to the club champion. That was, And then now he's... he's come back so it's been I think it's great well he was one of the greats of Sydney and so were you and when we come back on the other side of the break we'll explore some more of that Ryan O'Keefe is my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals serving families across Victoria for more than 80 years You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Great to have Ryan O'Keefe as my special guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Ryan, round 10, 2000 at the SCG. The Western Bulldogs are your opponent. You go out there for the first time. What do you remember about the game? Yeah, I remember standing in the race and um, 
Paul Kelly and Wayne Schwartz and Andrew Dunkley, these guys, just congratulate them and go, well done, you've deserved your chance and uh, get out there. And it's like, oh, all right. And SCG, it was, uh, it was Mother's Day, mm-hmm. uh, as my mum keeps reminding me. Um, <laughs> so out there, and I remember everyone yeah, around, obviously the, the doggies had a pretty good side. They'd yeah, Chris Grant and um, Jose Ramiro mm-hmm. and uh, trying to, I think Scotty Wine was still playing. Um yeah, I remember first kick was on my right foot too. Really? Yeah, first kick on the opposite foot. And you didn't have many of those throughout your career, did you? Oh, I had a few. I had a few. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually not tipped for a left foot on my yeah, right Yeah, you, right, you were one of the few who actually yeah. was all right on um, the other side. Yeah, actually. Well, one year I had to play on my uh, kick on my right because I had uh, bad groins in 2010. And oh, yeah. I just played the whole season on my right foot. But yeah, that game, um, yeah, I, remember I had to push in the back line and get it and just Actually, Chris Grant tackled me. I was about to kick it, and I just got this kick off on my right foot and hit the target. And then, oh, all right, that's it, and away we go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was um, yeah, that was pretty pretty good. I was um, played a, I think played six or seven that first year, and then a few more the next, and then slowly sort of built my way through that. Where did you actually feel like you belong though? Because that's a process that takes a little while. Yeah, probably when Ruzi took over, to be honest. Um, so. It, it, Two or three years under uh, under Rocket. Um, Did you get on okay with Rocket? Yeah, it was okay. You know, it was fine. Um, probably like Georgie Stone, who's the assistant. Actually, Ruzi's one of the assistants. Probably had probably more to do with them than mm. Rocket as head coach. But sort of that period, you know, handful of games, played a lot of reserves footy, um, which I think held me in good stead. I, th- I think it's important sometimes to do a bit of an apprenticeship and, and play reserves footy. And then so when the opportunity comes, you, you appreciate what you get. So you haven't just been gifted games. Um, but then when when Ruzi took over, I remember you sitting down and said, look, just believe in yourself. I think you're a really good player and just go out there and, and play. So that second, um, when he took over, I actually I had a cook, um, did my AC uh, the Geelong game. And then I think Rocker got sacked that. And I, I think I missed one week and then, come back in for say, the last nine games of what Uzi and then sort of played all them and I think after that and that pre-season had a really good pre-season and then bang I think from there it's, I don't think I missed the game for about 120 so I mm. after when Uzi I thought alright this is I belong here the structure of the football club at that time was very important to you as well because there was an event in the family that was a tragedy. You lost your brother mm-hmm. in a car accident. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably, that was 2000, uh, I think now. 2002, 2002 I yeah. think. Yeah, so that pretty much that first half of that, that season, um, I pretty much... I actually I hurt my knee the last... We played the final against Hawthorne at Etihad um, in 2001 and... Uh, I think played played like the first two minutes and um, I think Shane Crawford came and tackled across you know ruptured my medial ligament and stuff so I was in a knee brace most of the pre-season and then that event happened in in March so then I, I pretty much didn't play really much any footy that first first half of that year and obviously things like that I wasn't really motivated to play to be honest. Yeah. Um, did you did you lose your passion for the game at that time? Did you think yeah. oh, there's just more important things in yeah, life than footy? Yeah, I, I did actually, and it's like oh. I was injured, that happened, it was like, oh, really, I couldn't be bothered, to be honest. I sort of, I could have quite easily, uh, you know, probably almost said, no, nah, I'm going to stay here in Melbourne. Um, so what got you going again? I basically just thought, that's not what he'd want me to do. Yeah. And then, you know, pull your head in. I don't, my brother wouldn't want that to happen. I think what he'd want me to do is get on and and get the best out of myself and, you know, um, whether it was successful or not, just to get out there and, and um, just give everything I got. So got back and then... 
played a couple of games and then obviously the Rocket um, got sacked and the Maruzzi took over and it probably just gave me that belief and then as I said from now I was like alright yep this is I, I'm not going to waste I'm not going to waste this opportunity um, this is something that that I want to do I know he'd want me to do um, and basically I just want to make sure that he's proud of me that I just mm. don't have any regrets when I'm finished because life's too short really yeah. and I remember after the 2006 grand final when we lost I got um, interviewed after that game and then one of the reporters just said oh you know he just lost the grand final how do you feel that and I put it in context I said mate it's just a game Really, I've lost a lot worse than a game of footy, and I think he was shocked that I was quite relaxed about the whole situation. But but basically, it's it's just a game. I hmm. lost it. Oh, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. We're all going to get on with life. Um, so but, I know it's a tragedy, but I don't know whether by that happening made me a stronger and a better person going hmm. through something like that. And you probably don't want people to have to go through a tragedy or an adversity like that to make them successful but I think it, it helped me be to achieve and get the best out of myself so um, and you probably find that through you know many sports people if you look at some successful sports people even people in life in general they might they might have gone through a bit of adversity or find some something's happened in their life that's made them mentally strong I suppose mm. So, context is a marvelous thing, isn't it? When when you're involved in something that tends to be all-consuming yeah. to a lot of people, but when you can put it into context, it really does indicate just where it does stack up as far as life is concerned. It does, and that, and that's why I think, as I said before, I'm not a, I don't let footy consume me. I want to have something on it. Yeah. Because there's so much, so much beautiful things and so much great things out in life to enjoy and do, and um, it's, life's too precious not to be happy. Hmm. So I just, I just enjoy it. We lo- and that's what I say to my boys that you know we, we lose a game, we have a bad game. I go, boys, we've learned from it. All right, it's done. Can't do anything about it. Just make sure you learn from it. I don't want anyone moping about. We get on to next week. It's just a game. Yeah. So. You talked about that period under Rusey. Is it right that um, you bulked up and you, and you got quite, not muscle-bound, but you were quite heavy because um, you were heavily built? Mm. And did they actually make a, a conscious decision to strip you back a little bit? And did that affect your footy in a positive way? Yeah, I, I, probably I could thank... St- Stephen Tingo was up in Sydney yeah. that time and he probably took me under his wing a little bit and he was really... You know, he obviously had a lot of um, injuries and he, his sort of career got cut short um, due to that. But he sort of took me under wing and sort of spoke to me. And Dave Misson at the time too was our head of, um, head of high performance sort of thought, let's, let's get you... Like, Let's get you lean and 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 use that running ability you got. So, um, I thank those two guys really. I think especially uh, Stinger for sort of taking his wing and helping me sort of strip down, I suppose. And and um, I sort of once I noticed the difference, oh, how good's this? Like just um, mm. so then they gave me the they gave me the tool, and then from then on I was just really focused on that. And yeah, I'm quite like I can walk into the gym and quite easily bulk up very easily. So I was one of those guys that. I was obsessive about my diet, obsessive about my training. I was a bit of a tra- I was a trainerholic. I probably trained probably more than I was meant to, but I was a I was durable enough to, to handle it, and I knew my own body. So um, I came really obsessive with that and making sure, um, and then just improved my running. And then I felt that I could 
I could outlast anyone on the field and that gives you that confidence when you step out there knowing that you're physically able to take on any challenge. So when you're that intent on training and you like training and you enjoy it and you really want to work as hard as possible, what's it like when someone comes to you and says, oh, just pull back a little bit? Is that a hard thing for you to do given your work ethic and the way that you approached it? Yeah, it is. And it probably took me a long time to, as I got a bit older, it took me a long time to slowly pull back and realise um, a little bit of resistance to start with but um, yeah I suppose later back in my career I, as I said I, I learned to read my body very well and I understood it um, and uh, Rob Spurs who obviously took over from Dave Misson he was the head of high performance up in Sydney for, for a long period of time he still is now just be constant conversation with him and chatting and he just sort of asked the question and I sort of have to think about it and stuff like that um, but yeah, it was hard to pull back, but, mm. um, but as I said to, and I remember chatting with them and even I say to our guys, I think I'd rather have a player that I have to pull back than I have to try yes. and whip to get going. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So it's all pointing towards that incredible year, that great day in 2005. My uh, my parents are South Melbourne supporters, and they followed for Sydney, and they'd been waiting for that day to happen. And they're they're a bit like the Bulldog supporters in lots of ways. And so many people would have said the same thing to you after that day. Oh, I can die happy now, and that's what it meant to a lot of people when you won the flag in 2005. An incredible day. Oh, spot on. The amount of people have come and said, "I've been waiting my whole life for this," mm. and oh, fantastic, and you know, oh, there's so many of them, and. I suppose after that, when that siren went, I think it was just a relief from the whole, anyone who's been associated with the South Melbourne or, or Sydney, anyone with the Swan, I think it was just like, oh my, we've finally done it. Like, it was just a relief. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think that day's going to be special for, for a lot of people. Um, just, just in terms of the history behind it and the club had to move up moving up to Sydney and nearly folding and this and and a whole range of other things but yeah I remember that that, that was um yeah that was pretty that was pretty special did you sit back there Ryan that night or the day after or maybe in the week after and think well no matter what I do from here on in it's probably going to be impossible to match this uh yeah I don't know I, sp- I suppose when you get all caught up in the oh, I remember like we went back we had a um did the supporters function um, down at um, Albert Park, and then we flew back to Sydney. And then that that week we th- we're going to have a parade, George Street, Sydney. I mean, and it was like, you know, trying to be like the Grand Final Parade. And we were all thinking, oh, there's no one going to be here. Like, really? Come on, we're in Sydney, man. No one's going to be here. It's going to it's going to be a little embarrassing. And we remember we we're getting our cars and we we're driving up George Street, and it was as big big as the grand final parade it was mm. unbelievable we, we were just gobsmacked like we didn't realize the reach or the effect it would have on the city itself like unbelievable and and i said a lot of the old south melbourne supporters been waiting their whole life for it but the impact it made on the city was something beyond we could ever think of mm. um and i said earlier that sydney likes a winner and geez they really embraced the winner then but um yeah that, that impact we just couldn't register how much much it did so um 
yeah, to be known to be the first Sydney team to win it, I suppose that's something that they can never take away from us. And we had a reunion um, last year, what was it, the, no, two years ago, and we all caught up and everything yeah. like that, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, a bond that can never be replicated exactly uh, between right. the boys. It's only in hindsight when you look back and think about the next year, making the grand final the next year, in light of what's happened to the Western Bulldogs and a momentous win, in light of what happened to Collingwood in 1990, mm. to be able to have that hunger still to back up the next year and still give yourself a shot in the last game of the season is a real credit to the team to be able to do that. Yeah, I think we just love that feeling so much. And yeah. we just and we had was such a close group, very close group, and we trusted each other and we just... We had that belief now. So, and belief is such an amazing thing. Like, we knew we could do it. We've done it before. Same group of guys. There's no question why we can't do it again. Let's let's go for it again. Um, and we just we just backed ourselves in to, to go again. And obviously, you know, that period we had that amazing rivalry West Coast. I think that there's some stat that's out of the eight games or something, the total margin's 15 points or yeah. something like that. That's including two grand finals. Um, semi-finals, that sort of thing. So, um, for that to ha- to happen again, it was um, it was the second when we got there in 2006. It was it, it was more this is business sort of thing rather than oh, hopefully we can win it and break the duck and all mm. that sort of thing. So, um, but it was very disappointing <laughs> saying that. Yeah. I know we'd won one year before, but to lose one, so you don't realise how disappointing it is when you actually do lose one. You, it's it's you're so close, but yet you're so mm. far. Yeah, especially with that margin, those margins you were talking about. It was about that time, Ryan, that people were raising question marks about the West Coast Eagles. Did you ever see anything when you were out on the field with them that indicated that something was going on? Oh, never saw anything. No. Um, yeah. I was, yeah. When you compete and you step out on the across the white line. You, you just assume, I suppose you assume, and, and and you just believe it's everyone's playing on the same, on the same field, you know, yeah, um, so to speak. Hmm. So we just accepted for what it was or who they were and took them. On, I mean, you take you're going to take someone on face value. Yeah. Um, everyone's, I suppose, innocent or until proven guilty, really, isn't it? So yeah. uh, we heard a lot of things and a lot of things since, um, which then you start questioning and go, well, geez, have we? Uh, yeah, we were unfairly treated, but until everything's, until there's hard evidence, you can only, um, can only just assume, I suppose. Yeah. We spoke about one great moment in 2005. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll speak about another great moment in 2012 for the Swans and for Ryan O'Keefe. This is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives, and they've been serving families across Victoria for more than 80 years. Back with Ryan and that 2012 flag on the other side of the break on This Is Your Sporting Life. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Wonderful to have your company for another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we're celebrating the life of the Swans champion in Ryan O'Keefe. And we talked about that feeling that you had in 2005, Ryan. A lot of people play in one premiership. Well, not that many really, but very few play in two in their careers when you get the opportunity of backing it up again that day in 2012 what do you remember about that yeah and it's probably two sort of eras of the, of the club I suppose that, that 2005 that period of a whole group of players you know Barry Hall Michael O'Loughlin Leo Barry Craig Bolton um, 
Yeah, Luke Abler, Adam Schneider, Amon Buchanan, like there's a whole group of guys. We all played a lot of footy together. And then probably that, you know, around 2008, 9, 10, a few of them, most of them started retiring or leaving. And then there's a whole new crop of guys coming through with you, McVeigh's, Malcheskis, uh, Josh Kennedy, Luke Parker, Teddy Richards came over from mm. Essendon. So then there was a whole new group that we played a bit of footy. So there's two different... There is, there's only three of us or four of us, uh, myself, Goodsy, Jude and uh, LRT that sort of were leftovers from that, from the first period. Um, but yeah, I remember I remember going into that that final series and um, we went and had a, um, a dinner before that week leading into that, that final series in 2012 and um, Horse asked if, if I go up and have a chat or myself and Jude to go up and have a chat and talk about what it's, what it's about and our experiences and stuff like that and I remember I remember in 05 and I spoke about that belief and everything we had I remember I just remember having that same feeling it's it's hard to it's hard to describe it's just something you you have your gut feel and I remember with that group I just had this feeling amongst the group that there's something gonna there's something bubbling here there's something special I, I just got that feeling that we had that trust and that belief that I remember that I remembered we had back in 05 and 06 so I got up and, and I basically said the boys I've had this feeling before and now it's strong so I've, we've got it just back ourselves just believe it um, and I think that final I think we played the best footy we ever played in that that final series um, we just yeah we just looked at one we just we just played really strong powerful footy then we trusted each other we did anything for each other and but I remember that series. I enjoyed it a lot more. I suppose I was a, I was a bit older. Um, I wanted to make sure I enjoyed it for what it was. I had my family, my two kids then too, so I was, I was a different phase in my life. And I remember that grand final. I just just wanted to. I knew it was coming. I just wanted to brace it for everything and absorb it. I was quite calm and I was quite focused and ready to go. Um, grand final day. I remember just at the urinal, about to run out and. Um, horses in there and he's next to me and he looked a bit worried and I remember just touching on the shoulder and said mate it's alright we've got this we'll be right and he looked at me and yeah history took care of itself I suppose you're a brave man going into the urinal with horse but that's a whole <laughs> different story that we don't need to touch on um, both of them it occurs to me that both pretty much went down to the wire obviously the West Coast Grand Final in 2005 Nick Malcheski kicks the late goal in 2012 so you didn't really have time to smell the roses during the game no it's only when that final siren comes that that sense of relief that you were talking about probably enveloped you again. Yeah, I did. Uh, and it's amazing. I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it, actually. Um, that when that siren goes, I reckon that first minute, this wave of emotion and, and relief or it's some, it's this, oh, it's some euphoric feeling you get. It's unbelievable. You can't replicate it. You cannot replicate it. It's unbelievable. And you look and whoever your closest teammate is and you just go to them and uh, oh, it's unbelievable. And we all got together and it, it's just when you reach the pinnacle of whatever you've tried or you work so hard for and to actually achieve something that you've set out and worked so hard for, it's just an amazing feeling. It, you, you, you can't you can't buy that. You can't replicate it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. 
you said that um, you appreciated it a bit more because you're a young man perhaps in 2005 and when you can get into a team that plays that well mm. even if you're trying to block it out of your head subconsciously you're thinking we're a great football team we probably should win a couple of flags in the next few years yeah. but it doesn't come that easy no. so that may be why you appreciated it even more seven years later exactly right and I knew how hard it is and, and the challenge and as 2012 was probably we're there, we're there on a mission when you we're there to win. It wasn't trying to break a hoodoo or something like that. We're here because we're meant to be here and we've got one job and it's not over till we've done it. Um, and and I suppose being a bit older too, I probably felt a little bit more responsibility that I had to sort of try and lead the way as one of the older experienced players. I've got to lead the way. I've got to set the tone for my younger players. So I had that high expectation. I have to play well. I have to play my role. Um, and to do that and tick that off, I was like, yeah, all right, that's good. I've done that. <laughs> Two remarkable moments in your career. Did your career finish the way that you would have liked it to finish? Because the story was, and you can tell us whether this is right or wrong, that you wanted to go on and they told you that if you did go on, you wouldn't be playing in the senior team all throughout the year. And you said, well, I'll, I'll prove you wrong in that, but it just didn't work out that way. Uh is that right? No, I didn't get told that if you play on, you won't play. I just got told at the start of the year that I'm not playing this year. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it probably didn't It didn't end the way I wanted to, but I suppose fairy tales are in books, aren't they? Hmm. Um, Did but, it leave a sour taste in your mouth at all that it, it finished like that? Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah, to be honest, a little bit. But in saying that, I that year was... a a big learning year for myself as well. Um, I played the whole year in the in the reserves, and what that did do to me, it made me appreciate different things, uh, made me learn different things, which I've been I have been able to now um, sort of sympathise and help guys in my position now. When I'm say um, when you say Scott Thompson, for example, he's going through um, similar thing playing in our sample mm. side to be able to you know know what he's going through what his thoughts are to be able to help them um, those senior guys that are sort of playing in their last year or not probably where they would ideally like to be to be able to help them through that and that's something I learned I learned to have build great relationships with the younger players that that year of, of playing um, in the Swans Reserves I actually enjoyed it was to get there and I, I didn't have any pressure because it doesn't matter what I'm doing I'm not playing anyway so just to be able to just to be able to build a relationship with these guys and, and, and play and and help mentor and coach them and because I knew I wanted to coach so it gave me sort of I felt gave me a, a bit of a head start in, in my next next phase of my career um, could I have kept playing on yeah probably but I think um Football, like most professional sports, is a very consuming, um, consuming industry. And I sort of thought, do I go somewhere and play for a year or maybe two, if that? Um, and then if I wanted to go coach, I have to pack up the family again and move. And I thought, look, I've pretty much I've ticked off most boxes. I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, it might be time now just to move on to the next phase and and get on with life. As I said to you earlier, it's just the game. Yeah. Um, you know, as I said. Fairy tale could have happened. Could have played in that grand final in '14, and you know, gone out a winner or something like that. But mm. hey, I got no regrets. Well, fairy tales sometimes involve princesses. When I come back on the other side of the break, 
I might have to mention a certain princess with Ryan O'Keefe. We'll discover that when we come back for our final segment on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. Our final segment with Ryan O'Keefe on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. I cryptically mentioned something about princesses. The Crown Princess of Denmark, Ryan, Mary Donaldson, as she was at the time. Were you swinging hands with her at some stage? I suppose that's the joy of hanging around Bondi, really, in Sydney. You get to, you get to meet a whole range of different people. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a bit of a bit of a moment there, I suppose. Um, hopefully the Denmark Secret Service isn't listening on this. <laughs> the, the worst thing was I didn't get invited to the wedding. So oh, like, I was a bit disappointed. A bit ordinary? Yeah, I know. But anyway. Uh, how serious was it with you and Mary? Or was it you know, just one of those life experiences along the way? Just, as I said, life experiences. It's something you learn from and... Yeah, it's just one of those things that happened. But so, what do you think held you back? The fact that you didn't have your own country, um, <laughs> palace, or anything like that. Yeah, I was probably. Uh, yeah, my uh, payslip was probably uh, a bit, <laughs> bit below par, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, she should have been very appreciative because I think you actually did get a nomination for the Bachelor of the Year at some stage, didn't you? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I did all that stuff. When you're young, I suppose you just do everything. As I said. Get out there, learn life, experience life, and then you can pass that wisdom on to your, on to your fellow young players. How did the boys cope with that? Because football clubs are always very good when something like that happens. You know, nobody ever says anything to you if you get a nomination for the Bachelor of the Year. How were the boys with that one? No, oh, no, I wasn't plastered anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't even get a haircut at a footy club and someone's getting it there. So. Yeah. Uh, final thing, as we come to the end of what it's been a, a really enjoyable chat, any regrets from your football life? No, I, no, not at all. That's and that's I mentioned I think earlier that that's all I want. I didn't want any regrets. And you know, as I spoke about four, did it in the way I wanted. Well, I love it. I've got to thank you know Sydney for an amazing opportunity. Um, it was an amazing place. The people in that organisation, fantastic. To thank um, you know like Ruzi and, and John especially for what they did. You know, I. I went in there as a, as a young kid and I come out, I think, a much better man and um, and all those values and everything I, I learnt living up there and associated with football and, and AFL, hopefully I'll pass that on to my kids. And just one last question and it'll be the same question that I asked to Chad Corns when I had the chat. He stood up there on that dais on that one Saturday in September on the grand final day and got the premiership medallion hung around his neck. You've done it twice. If you were actually able to stand up as a premiership coach in the SANFL and take a team to victory, how would that rank as an achievement to bring a group of men together to do something with what you did in your playing days? Oh, yeah. I suppose that's what I'm striving for now. I can't do it as a player anymore, but now Mm. I'm a coach and I want to get the best out of... I want my players to get that sense and, and feeling and enjoyment that I had and if I can lead them to get to to achieve their goals, then I think that's a I'll be super proud and just as proud as that. 
Well, regardless of whether the Premiership comes in the SINFL, it may very well come in the AFL this year with the Adelaide Crows. It's been a magnificent season. We'll see what unfolds over the next few weeks. But what has unfolded over your career is that you are a much-admired player. Um, everyone loved the way you went about it. You got every inch out of yourself. You were a champion of that football club, and two Premierships is testimony to the hard work that you put in. It's been a pleasure to sit down and talk to you, Ryan. No, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Ryan O'Keefe joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives, and we'll be back with another edition same time next week right here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.